Hello and welcome to the Scene and Nerd podcast. Tonight we're talking all about the second half of Marvel's The Defenders. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me as always is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I am doing well, Sarah. How are you doing this evening? You are preventing me from watching the series finale or the season finale of Game of Thrones. You realize this, right? I promise you we'll be done well in time for the Game of Thrones. It'll be as we'll be done faster than McGregor Mayweather. Okay. Well, I've already watched the first hour, so I can't. <laughs> <keep> <laughs> so, like, did you like watch the uh, the hacked uh, scripts and stuff from uh, from HBO from the HBO hack? No, but the footage from the episode six was leaked onto YouTube, and I end up ended up watching a few major scenes from that episode. So last week when we were recording, I wasn't like thinking in the back of my mind I could be watching Game of Thrones because I had felt like I'd already seen it. Mm-hmm. But tonight I just went in and I'm like, nope, I'm gonna watch this episode cold, um, and and it kind of it didn't start off the best. Granted, the season finale of episode or season six has a lot to live up to, so it, it set the part bar for high, and I'm leaving him. Then he reset the game board for next season. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, just stay off the stay off the Twitter webs and uh, and Facebook. You, you hopefully you can, you can watch it unscathed. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the hardest part of this whole thing is that yeah. we communicate on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or Periscope. I tell you, last night when it was, was so awesome. You know, it was, yeah, I just joked about McGregor and, and Mayweather, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was not going to be one of those idiots to pay. Uh, you know, all you got to do is just go on Periscope or Facebook yeah. Live. I mean, I think. The va- you know, basically it was just like everybody was overwatch fight because you could just watch it for free on Periscope. Yeah, social there. media is a blessing in um, disguise because you get access a lot more to things that normally, like a decade ago, you would have to have paid for. Yep. And now yep. it's just on online and it's free and it's it's a beautiful world we live in these days. It is. It is. With technology. So let's just let's get into it. Well, yeah. I was I was also not I have to admit this I was also not looking forward to recording tonight because while I was writing the rundown yesterday I actually forgot what happened during the last four episodes of the Defenders. <laughs> Don't worry, uh, we together we will be able to. Be but it kind of yeah. just it kind of reminded me about how or reaffirmed that. In the end, I am still very dissatisfied with how this all played out. And it bothers me because I felt like I invested so much of my time into this universe they've created on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then you're finally seeing all of these characters come together and the stories are interwoven and the universe that they've built makes sense. And yet they couldn't pull off eight episodes with a good arc. Like, yeah. are you serious? Yeah, I, I I would agree with that uh, to some to some extent. So, you know, I you know you've watched all four independent shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not. So, you know, so I was coming to it a, a little, uh, you know, a little more cold as far as not 
being as uh, thoroughly uh, immersed in this universe. But on the you know on the one hand, I felt the pacing at the beginning was very slow. Uh, but the remaining from I guess episodes four through eight, I thought the pacing actually went pretty pretty fast. So fast that to the point that um, to to your point, uh, the, some of these episodes kind of blended together. Right. Okay, maybe it was a pacing issue. I'm I'm really not sure, but you have to admit you did not think so too. Yes, I did. Okay. I, did. <laughs> okay. I, I freely admit I forgot, and I, like and before we started recording tonight, I was I was like jumping to like read the just the thumbnail synopsis to like trigger my memory as far as what happened in each episode, so I could like talk with you about it this evening. Because yeah, I mean they're they're. Uh, you know, I, I, when, I, when you sent me the rundown for for our show tonight, I was I cracked I literally laughed out loud when I read the synopsis your your bullet for episode seven, which said, uh, "Does anyone remember this episode?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "I'm just reading a, reading a funny email from a friend." <laughs> oh man! Well, before we get to episode seven, let's just start with episode five. Yeah. Take shelter. And we're back at the Red Dragon, and they they start this episode off with that fight. And immediately, what do we see? We see Mr. Murdoch protecting his girl from all the violence. Again, yes. <laughs> Even though his girl is still on the opposite enemy line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, like that protective instinct that Matt had. I mean, he, whenever the first big fight with all the defenders together, which was so epic, um, happened in the previous episode. This one, you know, and in that episode, he took her out of the main conflict and then again, then did it again in this episode. And it, it, it was kind of foreshadowing of what, what we would see as the series, as the, the miniseries ended. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, and of course, it you know again reminds everyone of this, the connection between uh, Matt and Elektra. So even if you hadn't watched the Defender, uh, the Daredevil series, you pretty much get the sense that okay, yeah, these these folks do have a history, um, even you know, a very deep history, and he's you know doing what he can to to try to to pull her back from. Uh, being the a black sky. Right, right. It it kind of helped continues to separate Matt from everything else. It yeah. reminds us that he is in this fight, but for different reasons. You also have to remember in episode four when they were debating the issue, the hand and if everybody was gonna come together or not, Matt was really adamant about how what they're going to do involves sacrifice and mm-hmm. the exact person he lost is the one who now he's facing up against. And mm-hmm. so there's that, that twist that I really did appreciate. I wish that they gave more time to exploring that more dialogue and just more scenes really about that kind of struggle to figure out which side is he on in this situation. And it sort of reminds you of 
also ties into this other point that's interesting with Matt is that unlike everyone else, nobody that they are they're walking a fine line here because on one hand he's Matt Murdock and on, on the other hand he's the devils of devil of Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And and so everyone else is kind of an unmasked hero and he still has that that other idea to worry about and you see that especially in these last few episodes about how those worlds collide and that his hesitance to step up and lead really comes from trying to protect protect those he cares about most. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, <clears throat> excuse me, that was something that really, as the series progressed, they Matt trying to you know have a foot in both worlds and protect both worlds mm-hmm. as far as his superhero persona, but also being you know legal uh, you know counsel counselor. And uh, help you know, citizen of New- of Hell's Kitchen who you know, helps people out uh, as far as with their legal problems. Um, you know, sometimes we don't see that that struggle that the superheroes have to play. Mm-hmm. You know, portrayed on the screen, it's like, oh yeah, you know. That's just alter ego X, but they don't really get into the the dynamics of, you know, how having this double life really plays out. And I thought they did do a good job of of, of portraying that in uh, in the defenders, and especially when Matt was talking with Karen, as far as you know, when he realized that he was going to have to go back to this world right. that he was, you know, had, that he that everyone thought he had left. Right. Absolutely. That's I. Speaking of having a foot in both worlds, let's talk about the hand for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they also have a foot in both worlds where we find out that the, their mission and why they resurrected Electra and made her the Black Sky is because she's the key, along with Danny Rand, more on that later, to how they go home. And their home is where Danny Rand is from. It's Kunlun. And that's where they go. Living in a a modern-day world when they've been around for decades and centuries, and they, too, have um, this, this foot in both worlds where they have a foot in the past and a foot in the present, and they're... And they're constantly walking that line. Um, I wish that maybe the writers had explored that parallel with Danny or Matt Murdock a little bit more, because I think that would have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. It would have been. But maybe it that's been. just me. <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, I, it, one of the things I had that sort of I had a quibble with throughout the the series was the hand, the motivations behind the hand. Mm-hmm. And it, it just didn't seem very weighty. It just seemed kind of, I don't know, it just, I, you know, I, I'm used to, ha- you know, having more motivations. And, I mean, I like the the inner, the political dynamics between the five fingers and the hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was, those, those, those scenes were, were, were very electric and, you know, very interesting, more so than some of the fight scenes, quite honestly. 
Yeah. Because she saw, you know, the whole dynamics and how everyone was jockeying to be, you know, the leader mm-hmm. and, and and carve out their space. And then Alexandra was like, you know, I am the leader of this group. And, and just seeing how she manipulated the situation to, 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 to use Electra to her advantage. To me, made, that made the hand very interesting. Some of the things that were... Oh, I completely agree with that. I, I think that the the political dynamics they they focus more on because it was more interesting. And and it just makes me wonder, had they not focused so much on those political di- dynamics, would they have wound it up with more time when they could have fleshed out that history because that's what was truly lacking while the the backstabbing and those scenes of manipulation um, uh, amongst all of the hand members was fascinating you still were kind of wondering well what are they really talking about what where is this all coming from you they reference a lot of events that we we can't really hold any weight to because we haven't seen it. We're, yeah. We don't really understand it. And so maybe if they had spent more time fleshing that out and maybe added two more episodes in the season to do that, maybe this could have gone a little bit better for me. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and, and, I, and I guess and I, and I didn't articulate that. You're, you, you did a good job of articulating what I was trying to say as I started my, my point in that, you know, I didn't get a sense of, you know, it got a good dynamics as far as their their jockeying for position, but you know the stakes and the motivations behind why they're jockeying it just didn't come across that well. And you know they wanted Danny, but you know it's like what's so special about Danny that y'all are going through all these links to do to 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 get him. He has a really bad tattoo on his chest. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's all very, I can dope, say. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very dope tattoo, but it's but yeah, and you know it. Um, you know we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the significance of that too here shortly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the last point from this episode that I wanted to touch on was. Last week when we were talking with Patricia about the Defenders, she brought up how the show really did a good job about integrating all of the universes together. And as much as I like to say, when the heroes get together, that's when I felt it. It actually didn't happen for me until this episode where you have Trish and Malcolm hanging out at the police station and then in walks Karen and they look at her and then in walks and I'm finally sitting here screaming because this is the TV universe, right? Right. Like, like for comic book readers, I like I understand why having the heroes get together is so significant. But for me, having watched all of the seasons and waiting for this all to collide, it really felt more like a collision when you saw those other characters start to interact or we suddenly find them in the same room because those other characters, and we'll get into this about how they worked and some didn't work, but 
they they really do help make this more of a living, breathing world and not just a, a hero's journey. And that's yeah. very important for um, what Netflix and Marvel is trying to do with the Defenders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you made that's a very, very good point because it, it did. Yeah, you know, instead of you know being the fanboy, fangirl, like oh my god moment, like we can have all these. <laughs> This, this, you know, because I mean, honestly, most people focus on the the scene from episode four where they finally come together and have the mat, the big epic fight, uh, you know, in, in that boardroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you raised the, the better and the larger point about how this really is a universe, mm-hmm. um, which um, the cinematic universe sometimes has touched on it, but. It 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 didn't it does not do it it did not do it as well as fleshing it out like having these supporting characters get thrown together right and they're like who the heck are you and who are you and why why are we all you know um, assembled here mm-hmm. and it, it really drives on the point that you know these are all disparate cat. You know, Characters and and, and and lives and situations, and because of their, you know, the, the shared thing that these supporting characters have is being associated with uh, with the ground fighter. Right. I mean, I would. Um, I'm about to say something very scandalous. I don't even think the Arrowverse has managed to pull off a crossover quite like the Defenders have. Oh, that's serious. That is very scandalous. <laughs> I'm just going to say. I mean, yeah. if, and then also, granted, the Arrowverse keeps expand, expanding because every yeah. year another superhero is added and they have to wait a full season to be included in the crossover. So yeah. there is that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is another place where I, I have. I uh, Well, I, I, I think this past <laughs> season. Oh, to, to, to defend the Arrow universe some, so I, I will say I thought this past season's crossover was minus Supergirl, mind you. Um, mm-hmm. But the integration between the characters, the, the characters they picked from The Flash and the, and the Legends all seemed to blend a lot better this time. Than, than the first crossover. So I, I felt that I felt that was a more shared universe among the three shows, you know, more you know more so than 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 it was before. Okay, I see your point and how the this year's crossover improved upon last year's crossover. I still feel like there's more work to be done and more improvement to be held because yeah. the the episodes themselves still stand alone as I mean let's let's go back the arrow episode in the crossover they basically had to put everybody in a coma for arrow to have its 100th episode and that's yeah. what it was um <laughs> what could have happened what could have been yeah. in oliver's queen's life which is very significant for arrow but not nearly significant for in terms of the itself so sure. so there's two different objectives there and and really that's my point is that 
the the arrow the the creators beyond behind the Arrowverse, Mark Mark Ber- Berlanti, is capable of pulling this off. He's mm-hmm. just still setting that groundwork, and hopefully one crossover in the near future will manage to pull this off. Well, there's a potential and West better Island. because yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just gonna say like probably better considering it's not gonna end where the Avengers end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm quite certain a dragon underneath Starling City. That, I'm pretty sure about that. I, I think that's a that's a fairly safe assumption. You know, there, there might be, uh, you know, maybe another, you know, Eobar Thawne particle, et cetera, Raider, but uh, but no, uh, no, there, no, there won't be there will be dragons here. <laughs> dragons, dragons. Okay, so to wrap it up. Let's go yeah. to episode six. Ashes, ashes. We all all fall down. No, that's not really (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, take us through it. What what take us through it? What happened in episode six? Um, let's see. Now let me let me let me go back to the recesses. So, um, basically, several things are happening here. Um, so let's see. I recall. They the team decides they've got to to basically lock Danny up to you know keep the hand from getting a hold of him if I recall. Oh, um, yeah. And they're in the warehouse. They're right? in the warehouse, right, right. And um, let's see, yeah. So Stick is they're in the warehouse. Uh, they in the process of uh, I think from episode five, I believe they caught one of the members of the. Uh, Swandi, so, uh, they call him, and uh, so the he, white hat. The white hat, yeah. Yes. Yes. They've captured him and holding him hostage. hostage. Okay. Yeah. So you're doing a great job, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. This it's been about a week since I watched it, so we only watched it one time. Uh, so yeah, so they're debating all the issues that are going on with the hand. In the meantime, um, they finally, you know, I think they finally um, convince, um, they have a big epic fight where um, they, you know, and so, you know, we get another well-choreographed fight, uh, but they finally do get control of Danny and tie him up and, um, uh, Jessica and Matt uh, head off to take care of one part of their mission. Stick and Luke stay back to keep an eye on Danny. Um, and while all this is going on, um, Stick uses some kind of hallucinogen to knock out Luke because I think he is going to take care of Danny. And an Electra breaks in, and big spoiler alert, Stick is killed by Electra. Yep. And so, yeah, so uh, many, many things are going on. And then ultimately, uh, at the end of episode six, which was, again, to get back to our discussions on the politics of the hand, uh, there was a great scene where there was a lot of jockeying and inter- interplay 
uh, between Alexandra and, and the other members of Hand. And, you know, Alexandra's like, I'm, you know, basically like, I'm the head, I'm the head honcho of this thing. And the black sky is going to, you know, is my lead henchman. And then Electra proceeds to impel uh, Alexandra, which I have to say, that was a what the fuck moment <laughs> in that episode. It's me clapping. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Because it, 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 sh- it shocked it, me. It shocked I, I, you. Yeah, it really did. I it, it I was genuinely shocked by that because I thought Sigourney was going to I thought that Alexandra was going to be there was going to be this big massive showdown between Alexandra and with Electra and the Defenders at the end of the, you know at episode eight and then they they pull this on me mm-hmm. uh, I was I you know Bravo writers I uh, you got you got that was a great twist that that. I don't think many people saw it coming. If they, if they say they did, they're lying. Yeah, yeah. But and and that was actually a really for this episode. Will I have to say? Um, but I, I just want to rewind back to the very yeah. beginning though, because you did leave off one critical scene. Yeah. Um, because they opened the episode with Electra, I believe, and she's actually at Matt Murdock's place. That's which, right. I forgot that yeah, yeah, which is yeah. this very significant place um, from that a lot of viewers of Daredevil season, season two will recall because Electra gets injured and um, is laying pretty much on the brink of her life in that bed for, a, I think, an entire episode. And they talk about their relationship a lot. And the the wrongs that she's done towards him, and and how he abandoned her, and so it's a very critical place for those two. And she finds sanctuary sanctuary there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, to to your point about what the writers were able to do in that surprise ending is, they 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 started it off hinting at the betrayal though. Yeah. Because why else would she be there? And then they they left it. And went back to the defenders. And then they came back and reminded us about the politics of, of what was happening with the hand. And you see Electra step up and kill Stick. And so suddenly you're you're thinking in your mind, okay, Stick is Matt's father figure. Mm-hmm. Why would she suddenly realize who she was? And oh, FYI, Stick not only is a father figure for Matt, but it's a father figure. He's also a father figure for Electra as well. He yeah. raised Electra. Yeah. And and so we're talking a... some Star Wars crap going on here. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's yeah. And if I were, now there was a flashback with Stick and Electra. I believe yeah. that's at the beginning of episode seven, actually. Seven. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That is. That's the next episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. again, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's totally Star Wars, like, you know, patricide here, kind of, you know, stuff going on. But it's it's very strategically constructed. And um, I think when we were talking during the pre-show, you mentioned that this was your favorite episode. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of the reason because of how it was written in this idea that at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to tell you how this is going to all come full circle. And then I'm going to distract you 
with a lot of other shiny toys and a lot of other plot points. And then I'm going to bring it back to the betrayal that shook everyone, partly because... But but as much as I like the betrayal and how well written it was, I still don't really understand why they did it. In the sense that, mm. why was there so much buildup to the mysterious role that Sigourney Weaver, of all people, was playing in this show, to only have her come in kind of stand back she she has this amazing presence but it's still yeah. it's it's never it wasn't filled and so as much as i liked it a part of me just wishes that there was something else or or maybe we had more time with her and maybe we had i but see, yeah. i think that's what i think that's why that twist worked mm-hmm. because because it you know, it was one of those things where, you know, her character and the way she portrayed Alexandra was so well done that it, it, it was just that, that gravitas of having that, that, that strong presence. And by just eliminating that presence, it's just like in such a, a, a you know, visceral Back, you know, you know, literal backstab. <laughs> you yeah. Know, it, you know, it really like drove home like how messed up Electra really is, and uh, but also how what a what a blind spot that Alexandra had towards right. the Black Sky. That you know, she just thought she could just order Black, you know, Electra around and to to do whatever you know, whatever she could think of. And then, you know, and it gets to your point about the, the, the mother figure, father figure. I mean, you know, Alexandra sort of became this paternal figure for, for Electra after her, after her, her, uh, resurrection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and it was kind of a bookend. So she took care of her, you know, her father and her mother in one episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I I'd actually forgotten about that until you brought it up. Um, I would also argue though that um, the, there were a few moments when Electra looked up to Alexandra, but I think more significantly, Alexandra put the black sky not only as her her big point of leverage to um, retain control over the hand, but also as a replacement daughter mm-hmm. because she lost her daughter. So again, you have those parallels with what we were talking about in terms of Matt Murdock in um, the previous episode and all like the foot in both worlds and how um, fighting, fighting wars are the, the stakes are significantly significantly raised when you have um when you have experience lost and you start trying to um, protect those you care about the most while you're also trying to fight them and it's all manipulation it's just it's screwed up yeah it is <laughs> it's very screwed up but but again i think you know and you know that's what i said before we started recording how why i thought this was my favorite show because i mean it really it really 
did stand out uh, from all you know the various things that were, were going on uh, more so than than you know some of the other seven. Yeah, especially like episode seven. <laughs> yes. Which, speaking of which, uh, so listeners, do, do any of you all remember this episode? If you do, please let us know. <laughs> just, just remember, yeah, just, house is in the title. Yep. <laughs> so that sums it up. There, the the stupid police precinct. Okay, I just they spent so much bloody time there. Yeah. That it got so annoying. It felt like um, they were saving all of their money money for episode eight and so they couldn't afford any other set pieces so they just had to keep the characters clustered in one place for a little bit longer yeah yeah it was kind of i mean yeah it was kind of a bottle bottle show honestly because you had this that's you know it was a real honest it was a real letdown because Mm -hmm. you you know because after what happened at the end of episode six, and I was like, "Oh, ooh, I can't wait for seven. And then right. and I get to it, and, and had you know had a he had the flashback at the beginning with Stick and Electra. Um, I'm just trying to like, I, you know, I, I guess we have Luke Luke dealing with the the after effects of whatever Stick used to knock him out, um, and um, you know. Foggy let's, gives. Um, let's talk about that flashback real yeah. quick. Yeah. So so essentially you have Electra and Stick. And this is, put it in context for you, Will, which I'm not sure if you picked up on, but this is actually before Daredevil Season 2 and meeting they had and then um, how she ends up going back to Matt um, partway through that season um, because we'd never seen her up until that point. So this is a conversation that nobody has seen before, and they, and a part of that history that's very important. On another note, I think it's interesting because from what I hear and understand, when they're talking about Matt's ability to be a leader of the chase, which they've always been after the hand, um, and that's where Stick comes from and his um, his understand his part in this war, but that it could also be viewed in the context that the writers are hinting at where Matt Murdock's going to go um, in terms of after the Defenders and into Daredevil season three, mm-hmm. because there is a storyline from the comics where Matt becomes the leader of the Hand. That's right. So, <laughs> I don't know, uh, but I, it, it's a, it's an interesting, because they could have not included story, it. Yeah, and as far as the stories in the comics, is that one of the ones that Frank Miller had written, or was it another writer? I think it might have been another writer, but okay. I'm not sure. Cause I know, yeah, because I know Frank Miller's like that, I mean, he's written seminal, you know, uh, stories about many mm-hmm. characters, Batman, you know, the Daredevil and other stuff. Right. Yeah, it it could fairly well be, but it is it is kind of it it kind of is interesting to see 
and understand more why that flashback was included yeah. and how it could be foreshadowed for what is to come in terms of Matt, um, especially given where we end things. But to your point about this bottleneck episode, oh, I mean, okay, we actually should talk about this. Yeah. Danny Rand is the freaking MacGuffin of the series. Yes. Yep. Totally. Like, I mentioned this last week in our recording last week uh, that I don't know if they like saw the next. I mean, I don't, and I didn't go back and do my homework to see when these things were filmed, but. It was a. Were they hoping that Iron Fist was going to be the. Uh, I don't know. Was it maybe the breakout one of all the four to, you know, be a, such a compelling figure, or or you know they realized that they had a relatively you know weak character and. They were going to use the Defenders as a means to really build him up so that when they do Iron Fist 2, they'll have a you know, stronger foundation for this character. Um, I heard an, another perspective on it about how potentially what could have happened is that they saw Finn Jones and they decided that they needed to remove him from the rest of the um, cast because he was bringing everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that could have also been that the could, part. Yeah. I don't I don't think so. I mean, I I don't find his it, for me it always goes down to dialogue. Like I I do believe that Finn Jones has the ability to have more of a presence on screen. You see it a lot whenever he interacts with um, Jessica Jones, Luke mm-hmm. Cage, especially, and even Matt, I mean, they had some great fight scenes. Episode six, I believe when they were in that warehouse, there was a great choreographed scene between him and Matt, where you were reminded again, how the both of these individuals come from the same place. They both were trained by the same people. And so they could spar all day all night and that's always entertaining to me to watch um and and so it's i i think it was in this effort that they i don't know will yeah <laughs> i just don't know yeah he did become the mcguffin they had to hide yeah. him and then they lost him and then they found him yeah they found him they found him in a, in a, in a dungeon with Electra. Tied up. Tied up. Strapped down. Beaten up. Been beaten down. So, there there is one um, quick scene that I did want to mention, though, about episode seven before we move on. And it is that moment between Foggy and Matt, Mm -hmm. which is so important. Yeah. And that Foggy, who... When he finds out about Daredevil, this kid, hashtag poor Foggy is born. He yeah. is torn up about it. That's his brother, his best friend. It's 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 just awful. And so the fact that Foggy is the one to come to Matt and give him his gear and just remind him about how what he do what he's doing 
is going to blow up in his face quite literally mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally is it's significant to this journey that we've been on with these characters yeah. and I really liked it. I thought it was subtle. I thought I thought it was what we needed to remind us about what was happening character-wise. Yeah, um, that was probably the most memorable thing from that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to get back, you know, we and we touched on this some earlier uh, with you know foggy reminding Matt look you know, everybody in this building sees you, Matt Murdock, the lawyer. If yep. you continue doing this unmasked, they're going to find out all the things you've been doing as a vigilante, and it's going to bring it, your whole, you know, the house is going to collapse in on itself. So I think it was very, yep. a, a very necessary and a very powerful moment as you as you were referencing for it to be foggy. To, to be the one to, to bring him the uniform and be like and, and, and say, look, you've got to be Daredevil again. Yeah, because, in this in this situation, we don't need Matt Murdock. We need right. Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, got to love it. Hashtag for Foggy. For Foggy. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> got to love it. Got to love it. <laughs> got to love it. So... All right, that brings us to the final episode, episode eight, aptly known as The Defenders. <laughs> <laughs> they, they put a ticking clock on this. Um, and it now, now here's my question, Will. Yeah. In retrospect, did they also borrow from a DC film that came out last year in August called Suicide Squad? where suddenly they were all in a building and there was a bomb and it felt like a suicide mission. Just a little. Just a little. <laughs> just, just, a little. A little. just a little. Just, just a little. Just a little bit. Just, they altered it just enough that they, you know, they, they, they won't have the lawyers calling. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> enough. They tweaked it just enough. I mean, in Suicide Squad, you had the bad guys, but in the Defenders, we have the good guys. <laughs> It's like night and day, night and day. <laughs> but I, I just, I just felt like pointing that out because when I was trying to come up with a way to summarize this episode, I kept being reminded of like, oh, that plot point reminds me of Suicide Squad, and so does that one, and so does that one. Hmm, I'm hmm. noticing a pattern. Yes, yes, and the ultimate. Well, we will we'll get to that in a second. But <laughs> what's the ultimate one? Oh, well, that's for Suicide Squad, but for yeah, okay. yeah. So curious. <laughs> good yeah. pull. Good yeah. pull. So, so essentially, they they realize where Danny or where Electra has Danny, and Colleen steals some CT for, or I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what explosions are. C four. C four. Yeah. C four. Yeah. She steals some C four from the police precinct which yeah. kind of reminds us like how bad are the police in all of these shows Jesus. Yeah. yeah i know it's like you know dude, yeah yeah we, we, yeah. we, we can have a whole we can have a whole show about like inept law enforcement for all our various uh various fandom fans you know various shows that we we we, we watch Yep. So, so again, we just end up with all of these characters in the same place on the same mission, and then they decide to split up. You have all of the heroes 
go down to the underground where Danny and Electra are. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Claire, you have Colleen go around and set up to explode the building because one way or another, the hand can't win. Exactly. And they've, and they've realized this. Yeah. So the timer starts and it just kicks off and I'm not really sure what happens. I do recall Misty Knight gets her arm cut off. Yeah. Which is a nod to the comics. Very much so. Um, and that's about it. Her destiny was fulfilled. Then losing an arm, and um, yeah, and there was a lot of you know, of course, it being a superhero show, lots of epic fighting or hmm? uh, more predictable fighting at this point. I, I, I have to say, I was a little underwhelmed. I, I, I was underwhelmed by the finale. Yes, absolutely. That set was bad. Yeah, it was Very too. Bad. It was. You know, someone joked on Twitter, it's like, you know, people forget to pay the light bills on these shows because yes. it was as dark. It was just a very by-the-numbers kind of final, you know, finale. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then the, you know, uh, the ending, you know, again, well, we, we've, we've talked about this some um, with some other shows. Uh, the stakes. I mean, mm-hmm. there there were just we. we I was just like wait. I was like, okay, come on, come on. Where's Matt? Where's Matt? I, I was waiting for it because I I, <laughs> I knew that he was not dead because he you know he is a fundamental character and yeah. um, he somehow some way he is going to he he is going to get out of this. And right. the question would be, you know, how how would they how would they handle the um, handle that? So, uh, you know, so it was a very kind of uh, not quite Batman the Superman ending, um, um, where you know he's actually in the ground. <laughs> Spoiler, Matt, alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Superman lives. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you haven't no. watched that, but but you know, but Matt waking up and with the, with the nun sitting beside him, and I think you know, I think that's another nod to the to the comics. Uh, yes, let's get into this nun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so I I did hear confirmation that the nun is a nod to the comics, and more importantly, the nun in the books, it's always. It's kind of, um, it's not exactly said, but it's kind of just inferred, if you will, um, that she is Matt's mom. Right. Okay. Now, on to another point about the significance. This scene, and I forgot about this until earlier tonight, is actually foreshadowed to, in season two of Daredevil, Hmm. if... Um, in the second episode, after a very bad inner first interaction with the Punisher, Matt is like left for dead. And they start off that episode with um, him imagining himself um, being taken care of at a nunnery. Mm. And you see images of the nun, you see images of the cross and 
which which Daredevil is a very much a religious character, so it's, right. it's always fascinating when they incorporate those symbolism. So I'm just fascinated by this idea of the comic book context as well as the thought that this is his mom because we've never heard anything about his mom. Right. And right. that is amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. When season three, yeah, I think that that exploration of this character – um, and uh, definitely, obviously, had tip to the comics. It's obviously, there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the television universe handles handles the Matt discovering his mother as he in, in, in his convalescence and how that impacts him moving forward as far as being being Daredevil. Or, if you may, how they handle Daredevil reborn. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yes, yes. Yep, yep, yep. I did my homework. <laughs> so I think it's funny how we just spent all like going through all of these episodes and we just pretty much broke down what happens with Matt and Electra. Mm-hmm. And it amazes me because there's three other characters that are very significant here. And we haven't even talked about Luke and Jessica. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So that. Well, let's talk about them since you. Yeah. yeah, So, you know, we we touched on it some before. uh, Would they somehow get back together? Um, And when, you know, during that, you know, that period of mourning. Where you know everybody's dealing with the ramifications of what happened to Matt, Matt, mm-hmm. Luke, and Jessica meet the bar. Yep. And had a very innuendo loaded conversation. Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> <That's me. laughs> Sick. Yeah. Um. What do you think? I. I mean, it. 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 it I. I left with the impression that uh, yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have some drama. That's yeah, a relationship drama between Luke there, and uh, Luke and Claire. <laughs> see, and that's still maybe that's why they don't. For some reason, that storyline didn't resonate as much as it probably could have, is because they didn't have that emotional or relationship drama that they had plenty of opportunity to have. Yeah. You have Claire and you have Jessica. Those two should have had some scenes together. You Luke and Jessica probably should have had more scenes together because there was so much awkwardness with them that when they did share the screen, it was just quiet. And there yeah. was a few exchanges, but you, you felt that tension. Oh, totally, and yeah. Yeah, the you, pull and the push and the pull. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they they, they didn't need that. See, I think that actually worked better mm-hmm. okay. because you know obviously that that underlying you know they know they know each other intimately more you know so yeah. you didn't need a bunch of dialogue to, to you know you know uh, they they the actors played that 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 awkward like you know former lover thing perfectly great chemistry yeah yeah which i i guess i mean it's true like at one point we're always complaining that it gets very soapy when you have too much relationship drama on these shows and then on another point we're complaining because there's not enough stakes and it's that 
really the relationships are what drives the drama. Mm -hmm. So when you're not really on board with the relationships or understand the complexities at play, you, you, you don't have that, those fleshed out characters. Um, but I, I still like that final conversation between those two. I will always love Luke and Jessica and, and their worlds coming together because I think those actors just have great chemistry and, they're they're not ready to go down that path at this moment. They still have their own stories to tell. Um, they they'll get there. I'm for certain that we're gonna see a baby Luke Cage pop out sometime. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. oh, that God. was a choice of words. <laughs> yeah, baby, baby Luke, <laughs> baby Luke. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, you're gonna need two parents of superhuman strength to handle that. <laughs> It's just it's not in the cards right now, and no, no. and, I, and I think they you know I think it, that that scene also uh, conveyed that well also that you know there's clearly going you know they they will end up together. I mean I think in the comics they are together, mm-hmm. um, so they'll they'll get there, but but now's now's not that time. I think. Oh, so I think really what was missing for me in terms of the Jessica Jones storyline is um, a character by the name of Officer Simpson, (laughs) (laughs) a.k.a. Nuke. Um, If you haven't watched Jessica Jones, listeners, please do. I am always fascinated by the character of um, Officer Simpson because if you understand film noir, you understand why he behaves the way he does. And he's this great counterbalance for Jessica Jones. Hmm. And it's, and it's always fascinated to me because we were just talking about the push and pull of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. That's sexual tension. I'm talking about tension between a female character and a male character who who represent these ideals of feminism and masculinity. And that's why they're clashing. There's no romantic interest in between the two, but they just butt heads because he's looking at her like, Oh my God, you're a female with superhero, like superhuman strength, which strength is always related to masculinity. Mm -hmm. And so you have this counterbalance. So it's fascinating to me. And one of when when I was reacting to the first seasons of Jessica Jones, me and my co-hosts Everett Harn were talking about how Nuke would be a great villain. Like, mm. had they not gone through with the Danny Rand and Matt Murdock stuff with the hand, they could have used Nuke and really and um and pulled in these other characters to really um, counterbalance the defenders and and that's maybe why i'm feeling disappointed because i already wrote my fan fiction that they clearly didn't use see yeah patricia had (laughs) patricia you know so this is your week to have uh, the script that uh was not submitted (laughs) (laughs) yep it was rejected and i'm still upset about it (laughs) hashtag nuke (laughs) hashtag nuke it was yeah yeah, in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche. 
<clears throat> yeah. And so um, the last thing to really talk about is our favorite character, Danny Rand. Yes. Who he um, he is taking Matt's place. Yes, he did. Well, you he know, did. he he did. I mean, I think uh, by either plan or, or or just by happenstance, or this is what they had planned all along to uh, make Danny the the hero. Um, and uh, you know, to, I mean, basically, the defenders was was as much about Danny Rand's story as it was about Matt Murdock's. Right. And and it was his hero story. Hero story. Yeah. Excuse me. I mean, Luke and Jessica had their their moments, but they were really more supporting characters to me than than having a, a overarching arc. Other than you know Jessica, you know at the end of by the end, you know she reopens her agency and everything. But you know clearly. Uh, the, the the story here was was it, it was about Danny. I mean, and it starts that way, ends that way. Uh, I think you know it uh, was also about Matt as far as his transition um, after Daredevil two. But um, I, I will say that it. They did a good job of setting Danny up to the point where I, I, I would actually entertain a notion of actually watching Iron Fist. Wow. I would not recommend it. I know. But Everybody says not own. to. Yeah, everyone says not to. But, I, you, know, you know, you know, Finn Jones did a decent enough job with, you know, with this character to make him somewhat, somewhat interesting. Um, what about what about the other characters? Because you haven't spent much time with oh, Daredevil or Jessica. Yeah, uh, you know, as far as Daredevil, um, yeah, you know, I definitely will catch them, fill in fill in the holes that I have there. Uh, Jessica, yeah, definitely want to watch that before season two of Jessica Jones comes out. Because uh, mm -hmm. yeah, she definitely was of even though the Defenders was not about you know Jessica's art as far as being a central. Uh, point to the to the story. I mean, to me, she was by far the breakout character of all four. Wow, wow, that, that's that's strong words, sir. Strong words. Well, she, words. she that's a, a very compelling character. Um, um, and um, yeah, I definitely want to. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I can't wait to get to know this character even even more. Oh God! I'm it's it's like when you watched Mr. Robot all over again. I'm so excited! <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, I I think that's a very very fascinating point because we spent a lot so much time on Matt and and uh, Danny that it really goes back to that idea that shows and movies are only as strong as their villains. Mm -hmm. And the villains that were introduced and shown in this season were the hand. And those are Matt and Danny villains. Mm -hmm. Like those, those villains were set up on those shows individually. And then you have them collide and Luke and Jessica were just there because they're part of the crew too. Their their arcs, they were brought into the fold for their own reasons that made sense with who they were as characters. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, they 
the, the hand doesn't mean much to them. They no. just want to protect their city yeah. and protect the people that they love and find, solve these mysteries if we're talking about Jessica. And so I think that's really interesting that um, you still were able to find relate more to Jessica than you were to the other characters or yeah. think that she stood out more yeah. than the others. Yeah, I think she did. And, um, I mean, Matt, Daredevil, he, he, he's kind of a boring character compared to, I don't know, I mean, he's a compelling, he's interesting, but I don't know if it's, but Jessica just seems to be Every time this, she was on the screen, it's it was just there was just a, 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 an energy that was, and even with the soft purple filter, <laughs> yeah, it, it's still um, which I noticed, yeah, it, 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 it still was a, the more compelling character. Um, and and I bet I also think I would counter Will that probably. There isn't a lot of gaps in terms of Matt's character, who he is, who he was in previous seasons, as there are for you in terms of Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And and Danny is just a blank slate of weirdness. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> just got to find, find, find his chi. And... Uh, <laughs> Oh, man, um, yeah. the best way to describe. So, you know how we were when you were watching Mr. Robot, I told you it's like 90s nostalgia. Mm -hmm. OK, that's 90s nostalgia in a good way. Yeah. First season of Iron Fist is 90s nostalgia in a bad way. Uh, all right. Yeah. It's like listening to, <laughs> it's like listening to the Counting Crows. It's like, oh, God, not this song again. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Sometimes we're surprised when our expectations are lowered to a point. Yeah. We go in thinking it's going to be shit and come out like, no, it wasn't that well, bad. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So so we might be just doing you a favor there, buddy. You might be. You might be. I will let you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, actually, I, I did have one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, yeah. though, because you, you said that Matt also sounded like a very boring character. He is, except they're able, the writers of Matt are always able to use the characters around him to flesh him out. Mm -hmm. So when when you take him out, he's, we've seen 10,000 versions of Matt. He's just another Oliver Queen, he's just another Bruce Wayne, but yeah. at the same time, he is the exact opposite. He's much more fleshed out. You understand his struggle. Actually, he kind of is an older version of Peter Parker. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. He is. He is. And one of the things I guess um, that is interesting about Matt's character is you know, it is how devote he. Catholic he is, and mm -hmm. you know you don't see that many times with uh, with many comic book characters, as far as uh, I mean, because many of them are other or meta, either meta human or uh, or or not of this earth. So um, it, it it is interesting to see how he can be a vigilante and still be you know reconcile that with his faith. Right, he's. He's immortal, yep. 
fighting off against a majority of the time immortal-like people who are godlike. We talk about that on the flash all the time. Metahumans are godlike people and individuals given given these powers. And so for him, they managed to to allow him to hold on to the faith because you have to believe in something when you're constantly on the brink of death. Yeah. And, and for other characters with those powers, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Because like there isn't, there shouldn't be anything more powerful than me because I have these powers. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we got deep. We got totally deep. I did not expect this. Yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> sometimes when you have episodes that you forget what happened, we'll, we'll open doors into some metaphysical, spiritual conversations. See, that's the great yeah. thing about seeing a nerd, y'all. We go, we go in a lot of different places. Yeah. It's like that time that we predicted that Riz Ahmed would be playing Uncle Ben. That's right. In the Venom movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally going to get confirmed one day. It's going to get confirmed. Maybe not. Maybe not on Earth One, but maybe on Earth Nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, somewhere well, in the multiverse, it will be confirmed. Y'all. Yep. Somewhere one day, <laughs> coming soon in a theater near you. No. <laughs> so, any final thoughts on the Defenders? Will. Um, like. Uh, as I said, it was, I enjoyed the Defenders. Um, you know, it was very, as far as in the fanboy, fangirl universe, it was very hyped. Um, I thought if I had to give it a grade, I would say I would give it a B. Wow. We're, I didn't know we were grading. I'm so not ready. I don't uh. start school until Thursday. <laughs> no. Um, but like, okay. So the Defenders, I actually would give maybe a C plus. I still, as many, like, I love talking to you about these shows because they always remind me so much of the positives and what was done well. And that also allows us to really get an understanding of what went wrong and why. Mm -hmm. But it's still at the end of the day, I'm not going to remember this season. Like, the, after the next season of... Um, Daredevil or Jessica Jones or Luke Cage come out, I'm I'm gonna already move far beyond. I mean, we got Punisher coming, guys. Yeah. Punisher. Well, Punisher see, is gonna clean the slate for me. You well, see, that's just it. I think you know the anticipation may you know will it be able to live up to 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 your expectations of the um, Punisher? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I I knew you were gonna ask me this question, and I say to you that. I will. You think I'm angry about the defenders? If the Punisher doesn't live up to my freaking expectations, <laughs> I will. I will refuse to record. <laughs> <laughs> I quit you, Marvel. I quit you. <laughs> I. I, think, I don't know how I to think, quit you, Marvel. But yeah, you that you're gonna be like, I don't know. How, I want to quit you, Marvel, but I don't know how. I have a broke back. <laughs> it, so and it doesn't have to be perfect i know yeah. it's not i know there's going to be episodes that are probably going to be in episode seven of the defenders yeah. at the same time john freaking bernthal he he will always entertain me so true, true. well the reason why i gave the defenders a b is uh you know I, 
yes, there were some forgettable moments, but I think uh, moments like episode six, where they did the writers did do a good job of throwing a few places, you know, a few story things in there that uh, kind of you know really did throw me as a viewer. You know, gave it a few points. I guess the more we've talked about it now, I probably would downgrade it to probably a B minus because the more I think about it, the ending was very by the numbers. And, yeah. Um, and you're grading scripted. on a curve. Yeah. Um, Too so nice. I, I'm all, I'm all, yeah. I'm, yeah, I was a little, you know, for further reflection, I, w- I would give it a B minus. Um, and for the reason I just said, that the ending was very underwhelming and by the numbers. And uh, if, if you're going to kill a character, do it, you know, kill him off. I mean, Captain Kirk has not returned. He's gone. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm just thinking of one fictional character that has stayed dead, and and that is one. At least in the front. At least in the, at least in the front. Who? Phil Coulson, no. but that's not true. That's not true. Yep. <laughs> Depends on how you want to say it. Yeah. Um, Black Panther's father. I don't think they're going to bring him back. Oh, they'll bring him back. Maybe in a flashback. Does that count? No. Flashbacks don't count. And other universes don't count. Because, I mean, yes, there is Captain Kirk is alive again, but it's a different universe than each other. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. If you're going to kill Laurel Lance, then just leave her dead. Yeah. We don't need Black Siren. Yeah. But it is kind of fascinating to have her around. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll save yeah. that for our Arrowverse conversations as we get, uh, we're getting... We're getting close to the 30 days, y'all. Yeah, you can tell. And yeah. oh, I would. There is an exception to your rule, though, Will, yeah. about bringing characters back. You gotta have Harrison Wells all oh, day. Yeah. All day. You always have. You always have to make room for Wells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Colin freaking Kavanaugh. He always has to have a spot on the show. Yes, you he can does. kill him as many times as possible, but he always comes back he always for more. Comes back. Yep. That he's got that he's got that ironclad contract. It's the Kavanaugh rule. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Will, where can people send you um, their impressions of Danny Rand? Uh, they can send their impressions of Danny to me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can send me your grades of the Defenders and tell me I'm wrong and that it actually is a B and not a C at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please go and follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. We will be not recording next week due to the holiday, but we will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode and hopefully talking Game of Thrones. Dun, 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 dun. Ooh, go to check us out on CastBox, the Android app, too. Yay. <laughs> hey. Good night. Good night. <laughs> good night, and good luck, Sarah, with your, uh, with your grad school. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. You're welcome.